0: There are two readings this morning, the first is from Psalm 130, which can be found on page 642 of the Church Bibles, and on page 972 of the large print Bibles, Psalm 130. Out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord, O Lord, hear my voice, let your ears be attentive, my cry for mercy. If you, O Lord, kept a record of sins, O Lord, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness, therefore you are feared. I wait for the Lord, my soul waits, and in his word I put my hope. My soul waits for the Lord, more than watchmen wait for the morning, more than watchmen wait for the morning. O Israel, put your hope in the Lord, for with the Lord is unfailing love, and with him is full redemption. He himself will redeem Israel from all their sins. And now to Matthew chapter 24, reading from verses 36 to 44. Matthew chapter 24. That is how it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. Two men will be in a field, one will be taken, and the other left. Two women will be grinding with a handmill, one will be taken, and the other left. Therefore, keep watch, because you do not know on what day your Lord will come. But understand this, if the owner of the house had known at what time of night the thief was coming, he would have kept watch and would not have let his house be broken into. So you also must be ready, because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
1: Thank you, Claire. I don't know what you have for lunch I often make a sandwich in the morning with my boys, last week I forgot to make a sandwich and so I popped over to Waitrose, took out a mortgage and went to Waitrose and uh, I like a tuna mayo sandwich is what I normally make, so I grabbed a tuna mayonnaise sandwich and a banana and headed for the till and there was quite a long queue at the till and I thought that's alright, it won't be long and a few minutes passed and I thought, oh, what's going on? A few more minutes. and... Uh, there, there was a problem. I think the woman on the till, there was something with the scanner or something, or the guy with the car. It wasn't working. And I don't know what you're like in these situations, no doubt, angelic angels. Um, I actually could feel the impatience rising. I could feel myself getting a bit annoyed, and then it carried on even more. And then people in the key sideways glances, and few shaking heads, and I could just feel myself getting angry, and well, what is going on, what is the problem, you know, uh, although because I'm a good Christian, I didn't show that. <laughs> because, I'm a vi- because I'm a vicar, I concealed it well. You'll be pleased to hear. I'll tell you that story because actually one of the key themes in Advent is waiting, and uh, Advent actually is all about expectation and preparation. We've heard a bit about that in those readings, haven't we? Advent comes from the Latin coming, and uh, we actually, in this season, celebrate the first coming of Jesus, which is his birth. This, I mean, it's just this extraordinary event. As Christians, we can get very jaded, can't we, As sort of, it can get a bit sentimental. We've heard the story many, many times that we just can lose sight of the wonder of what God has done in becoming human. And uh, actually, uh, what we do over the four Sundays is uh, we think about the story of the coming of Jesus. So on the first Sunday, often we uh, focus on the patriarchs, David and Moses, what they were uh, anticipating about the Messiah. Then it goes to the prophets, and there's there's huge amount of prophetic aching, waiting, longing for the coming of uh, the Messiah. And then I think we move to the Virgin Mary, and we think about her on the third Sunday, pregnant, waiting to give birth to God. Imagine what that would have been like. I mean, it's quite uh, intense uh, with, a, with a normal baby, as I understand it. I've never been pregnant. Um, but actually, that must be pretty intense. And then the fourth Sunday, we hear again the story of John the Baptist. who says, you know, one is coming. Prepare the way. And then finally, on Christmas Day, uh, we celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ. And that can be lost in amidst the turkey weighing, the vegetable chopping, the present buying. But this is an extraordinary thing. What's really, really important about Advent too, though, is we don't just stop there. We look to the second coming of Christ. That actually, as we've heard, Jesus is coming back. I don't know about you, but I often forget that. I can sort of just get lost in the busyness of life, the craziness of life. And I forget, actually, that uh, Jesus is coming back. We don't know when, but it's going to be this wonderful time uh, and experience for us. And we reflect on some quite sober themes traditionally in this season of our own death, uh, the judgment of Jesus, heaven, hell, but ultimately this amazing future that we have as Christians. And so I like Advent because it's a good preparation for Christmas. It tells the story, the whole story, and reminds us of our future of our present, but also our past. So, I guess this begs the question, how do you find waiting? In our quick fix culture, I suggest we struggle with waiting. You know, you get coffee now, petrol now, food now, I want this granary bread from Italy, I can get it now. Um, But actually, uh, we struggle when we have to wait. You know, you're sitting at the traffic lights, They're red, they go green. The car in front doesn't move, does it? Split second as you want them to. Or you can't find a car park, or there's traffic. It's a waste of time, isn't it? I think we equate waiting with being a waste of time. And actually, I want to just think about that because whatever our understanding of waiting is, the biblical understanding of waiting is that it's not a negative one. And actually we remember in this season that the people of God have been waiting for a long time. The patriarchs, the prophets, John the Baptist, Virgin Mary. Uh, We too are called to wait for the return of Christ. We've been looking at the book of Acts, haven't we, as a church. And actually that started, that amazing story of what happened started with the disciples waiting for the coming uh, of the Spirit. I want to suggest, though, this morning that we do find waiting a little bit tricky. And waiting on God is tricky because when we do stop and wait, the first person we actually meet is ourselves. When we wait and stop, we sit and connect with really what's going on in the deep places of our lives. That was certainly the psalmist's experience in Psalm 130, verses 1 and 2. Out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord. Oh Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to my cry for mercy. Actually, when we stop and wait, we encounter our frailties, our needs, our limitations—those unsavoury parts of ourselves we seek to submerge and deny. And actually, you see that in this psalm. The psalmist, on this occasion, encounters some sort of issue, some sort of sin he's been wrestling with. In verse three, if you, O oh Lord, kept a record of sins, who could stand? So. I want to suggest this morning, maybe it's just me, waiting, stopping, being still is very, very challenging for us. It's a massive issue in our culture because we struggle to do this because we're reminded actually that we're fallen, we're broken. Most important of all, we're reminded that we're not in control despite our planners, our emails, our Outlook calendars, our iPads, our iPhones, our career plans, our pension plans. Ultimately, we're not in control. And that's good news. The gospel is. That's good news. Waiting on God, secondly, I want to suggest is tricky because when we wait, the second person we actually meet is God. We meet him rather than our full inboxes, shopping lists, meeting deadlines. We encounter him, not just theological ideas about him. And this sounds wonderful, but it freaks us out. We say we thirst for him, but in reality, we seldom make time to really stop and encounter him and enjoy his presence and be still and know that he is God. I certainly do. And we say, despite our convictions about, well, we're just so busy and it's just crazy, we can't carve out time to do this. Actually, we carve out time for all sorts of other things, don't we? The great British bake-off. Strictly ballroom or strictly dancing, pole dark, Arsenal v. Manu, a gym or a walk across the downs. But as people, the people of God, you see this in the story of the people of God. We struggle to stop and be still and enjoy God. What's wonderful about the season of Advent is it calls us back. To the living God we need to hear this call to stop and wait because actually not stopping not waiting, not encountering God, the living God is actually profoundly costly for us waiting on God is so important in the spiritual life because when we stop we're actually reminded of who he is who is he? He is the all-loving one. The psalmists speak about this. God's love, his goodness, his tenderness. Psalm 136, by way of example, 1-3. to three, Give thanks to the Lord for he's good. His love endures forever. Give thanks to the God of God. His love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord of hosts. His love endures forever God is love and grace incarnate he delights in his people and if we can actually overcome the initial challenge of stopping and being still and encountering ourselves and all the monkeys in our heads and to-do lists and challenges and suppressed feelings actually we meet him and when we spend time with him He restores our soul, puts our anxious and fractured lives and minds back together again. His loving presence affirms us, restores us, expands our joy, champions us on, spurring us to live another day for Him, despite the real pressures and challenges and confusions and sufferings and complexities of life that we read about and hear about in the papers every day, but we walk in an experience in our own hearts and minds every day too. It's clear the author of Psalm 130 knows that God is good. Verse 4, but with you there's forgiveness. God is not just the all-loving one, though, is he? He's also the all-powerful one who, as the second coming of Jesus reminds us, has history, and even every single person, in his heart and in his hands. So, the psalmist knows this too. Therefore, you are to be feared. So, what I'm suggesting is that waiting is so essential to the Christian life, Because when we stop and encounter him afresh, we're just reminded again of who it is we're dealing with. His grandeur, his majesty, his power, his holiness, uh, this God who actually calls us his friend. Sons and daughters even. Waiting on God deepens our intimacy with God. And I love one of the Old Testament words for waiting, actually. One of the most common ones in the Hebrew, quava, actually means to bind together. When we wait on God, we're bound together with God, and we experience him um, in deep ways. The the sense here is of uh, twisting strands that make a strong rope, this idea of Waiting. The prophets speak of this reality, don't they? And you see Isaiah speaking about this. He, God, will not grow tired or weary. His understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary, increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope, some translations, wait in the Lord, will renew their strength. They'll soar on wings like eagles. They'll run, they won't grow weary. They'll walk and not be faint. So we need to just be reminded that waiting on God is essential. We're strengthened emotionally, physically, morally, spiritually. And actually, in this occasion with Isaiah, we're promised three things. We'll soar on wings like eagles. In other words, we'll be able to rise above the challenges and problems that surround us all as we do life and be uh, restored by our heavenly experience of encountering God as we wait on Him. We'll run and not get tired, even when we feel frantic and stressed and we're trying to look after aged parents and grandchildren and get all the grandchildren's Christmas presents. And actually, we're given the resources to... Handle these situations that come up in life and actually walk on with God. The tougher the situation, I suggest, the more we need to wait on God and be nourished and sustained by him. You see, God knows what's going on in our hearts. He knows what we need. And his greatest frustration, I suggest, is not our sin and our disobedience. It's actually our lack of Willingness to be with him so he can restore us and rebuild us and reshape us and re-fashion us. I finally got to the end of the queue with my banana and tuna mayo feeling very angry, if I'm honest. I didn't like waiting. But Bex and I have this thing where we say to people in shops, How, how's your day going? So I thought I'd just say to this one, how's your day going? Because I could feel I was angry. So I thought, let's not, let's not say anything stupid. So I said to her, how's your day going? <laughs> I just noticed a tear just dropped down her cheek. And then another one, and she started to cry. She said, this is my first day working here. I haven't been properly trained. I don't know how this flipping tool works. And it's a nightmare. For the customers and it's a nightmare for me I said can I do anything to help you she said no I said I'll pray for you as I go she said I'd really appreciate that I had no idea what was going on in her life but God knows doesn't he what we need and he can minister us as we wait on him The third promise is we'll walk and not become faint. You might say, well, this is a bit heavy or intense and my life's great and I don't need all this sort of, I'm not in a stressful situation. But actually we have different seasons. I saw that woman, I see her and I wave to her and uh, we become sort of friends from a distance. I sometimes just smile, You're right. And, um, you know, life, sometimes life's like that. But even just life is tiring, the Bible would say. We have challenges, each day has enough worries of its own. And when actually uh, we wait on God, uh, just walking around is challenging, but when we wait, we will actually not become faint. So I'm trying to say this morning, really, that waiting on God is powerful and essential, and when we don't make time to wait on him, and I have to put my hand up and say I struggle to do that myself, actually it's costly. So in Advent, we remember, don't we, that actually we're caught up with something pretty extraordinary, actually someone, in fact, who's come in Christ, who's coming again, and who's going to take us to be with him forever. And in the meantime, we wait, prepared, expectant, hopeful, assured, with this God who loves us who's for us, and is longing just to encounter us, encourage us, and build us up. O Israel, put your hope in the Lord, for with the Lord is unfailing love, verse seven. With him is full redemption. He himself will redeem Israel from all their sins. So we're looking, aren't we, as the people of God, to this extraordinary coming again of Jesus, confident, actually, of our future with him. And that's why it's so important we hear this story again and again, because it just reminds us of what it is we're involved with. Amen.